Good evening, everyone. So, um, yeah, I didn't. Okay, so I didn't know my biological father all my life. I still, till this day, don't know him. Don't want to know him. Don't want anything to do with him. Because if he didn't have time for me back then, why should I have time for him today? I forgave him for what he did today, this morning. Because at the con conference, good gathering, I don't gathering. Um, Andrew preached about you need to die to live. And this morning when he asked if there's someone here that wants to die to live, I stood up and I prayed with him. And right then, then I died and I found a heavenly father that love is more greater than anyone else. It's, you can't imagine the love that God has until you feel it. It's extraordinary to think that someone you can't see, you can't feel him. You only feel him when, when you talk to him. He comes to your heart. No one else knows he's there except you. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Um, for you that out there, if you struggle with something, go to your heavenly father. Because he will listen to you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you in that dark place. He's going to pick you up and he's going to put you where you belong. And that's next to him on the throne. Thank you. Very exciting. It's good to see what God does in people's lives. It's exciting to carry on with the book of James. We're going to do James chapter 1 verse 9. I want you to turn with me. And um, we're going to read it together and we're going to continue. And it says, in James 1 verse 9, it says, Believers, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he has created. So it's quite an interesting scripture. So today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day for all the dads. <laughs> At least John is excited to be a dad tonight. So I'll put that picture up there. And it's quite a profound little picture. Because... What we as parents do is we take a little bit of ourselves and we impart it into our children. 
And it's exactly the same picture that happens in the life of the church. As you come into the life of the church and you become part of this family and you start growing together, you start knowing one another, we start imparting things into one another. We start building together. And like we were saying this morning, and, and I've said it before, and Andrew said it this morning as well, we can only do what God's called us to do if you're a part of us. Because you fill something that no one else can do. You're one piece of the puzzle that no one else can do. Like no one in the church here can be like Matthew, which is a really wonderful experience. Thank you, Jesus. I love old Matthew. But no one can be like Colin because no one will be brave enough to walk around with a bright orange hat. All right? Except Geneve. So Colin and Geneve are very unique. All right? So each and every single one of us here tonight is different. But we all impart something to one another. Because as fathers, we teach our kids the skills that they need for life. And so if we look at the book of James and we look at the book, he tells a very practical story. So Jesus, he grew up, Joseph was a carpenter. So, so who, was, who was actually who grew up with a dad that was like a draw, like a, like almost like a, what do they call them in Afrikaans? Ambachsman, um, I say. What they called in English. Tradesman, there we go. Who, who grew up with dads like that? All right? I grew up with dads like that. My dad was a fitter and turner and a builder into construction, did all those kind of things. And, and I always tell the story, like, you know, you get other guys who's got these incredibly organized garages, right? Who's got a really organized garage? All right, Jandre has got a very organized garage, or not really, not that organized. But, I, but I've walked into guys' garages where, where everything's nicely in a, in a little tub, and it's hanging off there. All your little nuts and bolts are together. Your screwdrivers are nice against the wall. You've taken cokey, and they've drawn a nice thing around it, and it looks all beautiful and pretty. I grew up with my dad. My dad had everything in a toolbox. So what he would do is, if he was looking for a specific bolt, he would take the toolbox and chuck it out on the floor of the garage, and he would dig through it until he found what he was looking for, and then he'd say to me, put it back. And then I would take a spade and a scorpion and alles and throw it all back into the box, and then until the next opportunity. But the benefit about it all is, I learned from my dad to do things which other guys never learned to do. My brother never wanted to work in the garage. So by the age of 15, I could literally take out a Ford's gear, gearbox all by myself, know exactly how to undo everything. And then when my dad got home, we fixed the gearbox and I could fit it back the next day. Because I learned. I can do brake pads on a car. I can even change a tire. It's quite remarkable. My brother, the one day, was in Durban and he was studying teaching. And he phoned my dad and said, Dad, my car's broken. So my dad flew all the way down to Durban to go and help him fix his car. And all that happened was he actually just, there was a little cable between the gearbox and stuff that broke off. And that was all. But my brother couldn't fix it. He couldn't get the car to drive. So my dad had to go all the way there to do it. And then Gearbox didn't even know how to take a tire off. But so the book of James is written in a very practical way. 
for practical people to help you understand just that Jesus, James, Joseph, those guys were practical things, practical people. And so James gives us practical handles and practical things how to live the Christian life. So that's why the book of James goes about faith and works. Faith and believing and working out our salvation, working out our faith, doing things because God has given us the tools to be able to do it. So the theme of this book is, count it all joy, my brothers. It should have been my sisters as well. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. What is a trial? What is a trial? It is something that we face almost on a daily basis. Being married is a trial. Being single is a trial. Having kids is a trial. Having a job is a trial. Except for Andrea. She, enjoy, she enjoys working with me. Because she got off on Friday. It was awesome. She loved it. But so was I. I was off as well. So it was like. <laughs> but there's many things in our lives that we go through on a, on a daily basis. These things that we struggle with. Like sometimes in a marriage, Kim and I, we disagree on a regular basis about things. If we didn't disagree about things, we wouldn't be people. We wouldn't be human. But yet, those trials, what does it do? We've got to find joy in it. It says, count it all joy. Imagine someone walks up to you and claps you. Bah! Do you think you're going to laugh at him? You're going to be like, yo, that's nice. Do you want to do it again? No. Because our first reaction would be like, what? Because it says, count it all joy. Because life is going to be hard. James tells us that life will have trials. There will be good seasons. There will be difficult seasons. So who's, who's going through a really good season at the moment? Anyone? Some of you guys going through a good season. You guys have been on holiday. You're just still recovering from holiday, right? So it's a good season. Who's going through a tough season at the moment? A difficult season. Things that... I see your daughter's got her hand up. <laughs> She's going through a tough season. <laughs> For kids, school is tough. These challenges. Sometimes there's obstacles that we face. Sometimes there's our own character that we need to get over. And that's one of the hardest things. Later in the book of James, it speaks about, we sometimes look in the mirror and when we walk away, we've got what we actually look like. Because many times we need to sit and actually look at the mirror and we need to ask other people to look at us and say, what do I see? What do you see in me? 
What obstacles are in the way for God to use me? Like Andrew said this morning, the only person that stands in the way of you living what God has for you is you. Living and stepping into everything that God has for you is you by the choices that you make. And these times become opportunities for us to find joy in our trial because God is interested in building our, what? Character. Because we cannot step into what the Lord has for us if our character won't carry our anointing. How many of you guys know of major Bible guys, big guys, big pastors that's fallen recently? Because their characters when strong enough to carry their anointing. Because you can have all the anointing, but if your character's not there, you can fluff it. There was this guy, what, um, he was that big revival guy in America, Lakewood Revival and everything else. He was this major guy, had all the anointing, prayed for everyone, did massive things, while his whole life was falling apart. Because his character wasn't there. And God puts trials and difficult times and seizes in our lives to build our character. Because when he builds our character, we learn to be faithful. When I was growing up as a young child and in Secunda, Joel will testify. At the age of about 14, my, we, my dad was busy building and putting up a, a prefab wall outside our house. And he jumped off the truck. And as he jumped and he landed, he broke his ankle. But in the process, he broke three vertebrae in his back. And my dad went into op and the doctor said, oh, six weeks and you'll be fine. They took him in and they cut him open from here all the way around. 24 hours later, they put him back on the operating table and they cut him open down here. And they put six pins in his back, steel pins this long. And instead of my dad being off work for six weeks, he was off work for six months. And during that moment, that time, we lost everything. We lost our car. We, the bank decided to, re, to take it back. We lost everything. And the church that we were in was about, let's say about five kilometers, six kilometers away from our home. We had school at the church. So every morning, school started at 8. We left home at half past 6. And we walked five kilometers to school. In the afternoon, 2 o'clock, when we were done with school, we walked home. Got home, did our homework, did everything we needed to do. That night, and at that time, we had meetings every single night of the week. Monday nights, there was elders meetings for my folks. We had to go along. Tuesday nights, we had corporate prayer. Wednesday nights, we had community. Thursday nights, we had band practice. Friday nights, we had youth. Saturday nights, we had outreach. Sundays, we had two services. And you know what happened was, in that moment in time, for almost two years, we walked to church and we walked back. And one day, after two years, one lady came to my parents and she saw us walking. She said, do you guys walk to church? We said, yes. And because my parents installed something in us, for two years, people in the church never knew that we didn't have a car. We walked where we wanted to be. 
because God taught us faithfulness. And today, that same thing is coming through in our lives because I saw the example of what my parents did. Where we had to trust God for the, for the next meal. Where I saw my parents praying and trusting God, knowing his faithfulness. And you know what? When the times, when the tough times came in Kim and I, in our marriage, that's what carried us through because it was our example that we could follow. Because God allows seasons in our lives. He allows difficult things. He allows trials so that we can step into what God has for us. Many times in our lives, we blame the enemy when we've been led astray by our own sinful desires. How many times have you heard people say, the devil made me do it? Hey? It was the devil. He made me do it. I looked at the chocolate cake, and it was nice. So I ate it. And it was the devil that was whispering in my ear. Hey? Ava knows, hey? Because <laughs> studies show that when we face more trials out there, then there's more temptation in here. And what temptation is that? The temptation is for us to try and get ourselves out of it. To try and get out of it ourselves. Our brain is hardwired to have one of two responses. Fight or flight. What is the fight response? Fight is, I'm going to sort you, bro. I'm going I'm, I'm to get you. If we go through a tough time at work, what is the first thing we do? Yeah, my boss. He doesn't like me. He's just mean and horrible and, and you know, he, he just wants to abuse me. That is the fight mentality. We walk into church. Oh, you know, that leader, that, that guy that leads the meetings, he never greets me because he doesn't like me. And then we get offended. But it's not like the Oaks did it on purpose. Sometimes on a Sunday when I walk in and I might walk past you by accident without greeting you, it's not that I'm not wanting to greet you. It's just I'm busy thinking about something. Because I'm like, Lord, where do you want to go? What do you want to do tonight? What do you wanna, how do you want to move the meeting? I try and I greet everyone as much as I can. I try and give you a hug. If I know you more than three weeks, I'll most probably kiss you eventually. Like it went back soon. <laughs> and he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> Lovely. Then there's the second thing, which is flight. Where we run away. I don't want to deal with this thing. Now, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. So, so you know what? I'll leave because it's, it's uncomfortable. But you know what? When we're in that place of when a trial comes and something is difficult in our lives, what does God want to teach me out of this? Lord, what are you doing in me so that I can become more like you? What are you doing, Lord? Why am I going through this?
We face trials outside in our daily lives. Could be a medical condition, like cancer. We just read today, there's one of the guys that I knew for many years in the previous church group we were part of who passed away today. This morning, there was literally a couple that we know, we knew them personally. The husband was was an incredible drummer. They were part of another church. That guy's about, I'm not lying, five years older than me. He passed away of cancer in this week. 47 years old. Last done. People face medical conditions every single day. Number two, jobs. Sometimes we're trusting God for a job. Maybe things aren't going well and you're like, like, Lord, I need to trust you. I need you to come through for me. It's a, it's a difficult thing. You might have been retrenched. We don't know. Maybe this week you might be retrenched. I can't even retrench myself, even if I wanted to. We don't know. We can have family members that's tonight at death's door. Do they know the Lord? Are they going into eternity with Jesus? Or they're going into eternity without him. And this is the conversation we had with our kids this afternoon. And we said to them, because Levi's question was, Daddy, we went to church this morning. Why do we have to go tonight? And so I said to him, I said, my boy, we go to church not because we have to. We go to church because we want to. Because when we go to church, the people that we see as church at church are our family. And they are the only things we can take with us to heaven. We can't take our car. We can't take our house. We can't take our dogs. We can't take our furniture. Dogs and cats are debatable. We're still working on that one. But you guys sitting here tonight are the only people that I can take me with me to heaven one day. Nothing else can go. No matter what we do. It would be nice to sneak in a piece of Colin's fudge in heaven, but don't know. Because what is important to us? What do we, how do, where do we lay our lives down? Like this morning, the theme was dying to live. And when those trials come, what they do is, is they help us die to ourselves. They help us become more like Jesus. We can have financial challenges. As we face these things, we, we develop anxiety in our brain. And the clinical definition for anxiety is a sense of worry or nervousness about the current situation or something that's still going to happen. Who's a worrier? I asked it last week. I worry about tomorrow. You worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You worry about what's going to happen next week. So you just worry, and then when you stop worrying, you're worrying because you're not worrying. Huh? We do. Because we as people have just been conditioned to worry. Like you put a status on your Facebook page. And then you only have one like. Like, 
But now I'm worrying because people don't liking my Facebook post. Do they still like me? And then we worry about that. Because the world has conditioned us to become warriors, to worry about everything. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generous, generous, generously yo, to all without finding fault, and it, it, it will be given to you. We have the most incredible access to Jesus. The world has no one to turn to, but we can turn to God in an instant, and He will give us wisdom. Do you know that? The Bible says, if you need wisdom, just ask Him. How many times have you had a situation? Hannes told a story a couple of months ago where he was lying under this container. And it was almost like God was saying to him something like, Bru, you kind of got to shift a bit. And as Hannes went back and looked, one of the actual things wasn't even clipped on. It wasn't even holding on. If anything happened, Hannes would have been slightly flat. Slightly thinner. He would have been a lot thinner than what he is now. I'm a well-rounded individual. But Hannes would have been really, really, really thin. He would have been dead. Many times I sat with my dad the one night when, when my dad was actually a pastor as well. And one o'clock, one morning at two o'clock in the morning, we were sitting outside a Land Rover. And he was working on a Land Rover on farms helping guys getting their cars fixed. And he can't get this car working. And he's done everything. And I'm there with him as a 16, 17-year-old trying to help him. And eventually my mom just looks at him and she says, Alvin, have you prayed? And a guy never wants to hear that from your wife. You never want to hear it when you're irritated. You know, because normally a husband's famous weapon of Fixing anything is a hammer. The bigger the problem, the bigger the hammer. And guess what my wife bought me for Father's Day? A hammer. <laughs> yes. They chose a hammer for me. So it's how you deal with problems. I said, yeah. <laughs> so... Who, me? Oh, the kids. So, I got a hammer. So, anyway, outside of that, about the hammer. So, at that moment, my dad's there. He's incredibly frustrated. And my mom asks him that question. So, my dad automatically goes, you don't know what you're talking about. And then, after like two minutes, he's like, Lord Jesus, Please show me. And as my dad leans over the engine, he sees a little wire. And he goes, puts it over the nut, tightens it up, turns the key, and the engine starts. Problem solved. That little thing. And so many times we're going through tough things and things that we're struggling with, trials in our lives, and they look this big. But in God's eyes, they're just that little. Because we haven't gone to him and said, Lord, help me deal with this trial. 
help me deal with this thing that I'm going through. And there's one of two things that we can do. And I was saying that when trials come, there's temptations that come into our hearts. And temptation one is we can fill our lives with stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. If I don't like my job, I'll just get another one. Because I don't want to deal with my boss, so I'll resign and find another job. If I struggle in my marriage, I'll just get divorced and I'll just marry, marry a better person. If the church offends me and challenges my thinking, then I will just go to another church where it's easier to serve the Lord and where I can feel my needs are being met. Because today we have a quick fix generation. I want. Everything's instant. You, go, you can now go online. I actually read this in America. They've actually got, and, and I thought it was a joke. It's actually real. You can go and you can order something online and you can pay for it. Within 24 hours, a drone comes to your house and drops it off at your front door. It is actually real. It's unbelievable. It's a quick fix generation. And so many times when things go tough, you know what we do is we, we get this thing of, I need some, some um, retail therapy. That's a woman thing. I think, mostly. Eh? Also a guy thing. Is that a Colin thing? I think it's a Colin thing. All right? Retail therapy. I need to go to the shops because I, I just need to get out of the situation. And then what you do is you go and you walk around and what do you end up doing? You're buying a whole bunch of rubbish that you actually don't need. <laughs> Social media exists to make us discontent with what God has given us, and for us to covet what others have. It's easy. That's what social media is. It's there to make you discontent. Because you look at someone else, and they look like they've got an incredible happy family on the photos, and, and they're out somewhere, and they're in the sun, and you just don't know that they're lying on the couch with a light, and it's like freezing cold, and they're, they're like posing because they just want to have a nice pose. My wife is this thing. I love my wife. But my wife loves to take selfies of us. But then, when she takes selfies of us, she doesn't just take one. She wants to take 200 of the same one. And then she goes through all 200 to decide which one's the nicest. And I'm like, just take a photo. You can just take one photo. You don't have to take 200 photos because I can't smile anymore. Because I'm praying for you to stop taking photos. Other people turn to other things. It's easy to be caught up in those things because it makes you think that you can actually avoid your responsibilities and try and escape your situation. 
Because you can do any of that. And then what happens is you end up coming back again after it's all gone. You're back again where you started. And, and I saw a clip the other day on, on Facebook. It's like this. It looks like this little bird that walks. Little black bird. And he's happy and he sees the. And then there's a little substance on the ground. And he goes. <laughs> sucks it up. And then he goes. Ooh, lacquer. And, then, and then, then he floats. And then he comes down and he crashes. <laughs> and then he goes and he carries on walking. He sees another one. So he sucks that one up. But he flies. But then the, the, the moment in the air is shorter. So the, the experience is shorter and he crashes quicker. And he gets up and he goes and gets the next one. And it's shorter and it's shorter and it's shorter. And eventually he needs more and more and more and more to satisfy. There's only one person that, just, that, that should satisfy us. And that's Jesus. Because when we start dying to ourselves and we give ourselves to Jesus only, Nothing else is more important. Then we can face the difficult times because we know that he is for us. Because the Bible says he is for us. If he is for us, who can be against us? The reason we run to stuff on our previous slide and we allow them to take over our lives, it's because we want to escape the situation. We try and fix things on our, by ourselves. Years ago, if you wanted to build a house, you need to buy the land. Then you had to go cut down the trees. Then you had to work the trees. Hannes, you guys will all know that's on the farm there. Nothing on the farm happens overnight. It doesn't happen now. It takes time. Right, Genevieve? Genevieve? It takes time, right? Does it take time? <laughs> or is it just like, no, my sister does everything, so it's okay. <laughs> Nothing. Any will know. Any plants things. If you plant something tomorrow, brew, is it ready the next day? It takes a whole year cycle to get there. Because it takes time. But sometimes we want to get that sorted now. Many times we're in the situations that we're in because we placed ourselves there by our own choices. Many times, and this is the worst thing with the internet. If you want to deal with something, we turn to Google. Who knows Dr. Google? All right? So I have a snotty nose. Um, my, ear, my, my eyes are watering. My ears are not feeling so lack. I feel like I have a stomach ache. So then it throws out that you have um, like 500 different diseases because they all have the same symptoms. You can pick one, which one you want. And then suddenly people say, you know, when they walk into a meeting, they're like, you know that I'm, a, I'm suffering from a disease. What disease is that? You know, the, the internet says it's, you know, snotty nose-itis, right? And, and I'm convinced that I have it because I went and I checked all the symptoms. And people become convinced what they see on Google. Because do you know that if you search something on the internet more than once, 
it will take you to what you're searching for because it learns. It learns what you like. So if you like Ford Buckies, right? And you Ford Ranger Buckies. So I know Jandre likes a Ford Ranger Bucky. So Jandre will go and look at a Ford Ranger Bucky once or twice. Then suddenly on his Facebook feed, he'll see photos of Ford Ranger Buckies at being sold from every branch of Ford, non-Ford, in the whole of the Western Cape, and they show him the nicest ones because it learns. It learns what you like, and it will take you there. And the enemy knows that, so he will do the same with you. He'll take you to what you like so that he can entice you. I want to tell you a story. There's a church in England that was built a couple of hundred years ago. And when they built it, they built, they had those rafters that was built into that actual church. And the guys built it, and about 400 years later, the rafters were busy getting finished. There was no, it was getting rotted through, it was old. And everyone was saying, so, so where are we going to get this wood? It's like so incredibly expensive. How are we going to fix this roof? And one of the guys in the church actually went for a walk the one afternoon, and he was looking around. And as he came over this little hill, he saw all these oak trees planted. And he went back to the guys, and he said, guys, but there's all those oak trees down the road there. And they're like, but that's part of our property. And the guys that originally built, it, built the church and used the rafters, they actually went and planted oak trees because they knew that in 400 years, those things had to be replaced. So they already thought into the future. So what are we building? How are we building? Are we preparing our hearts? Are we learning from what we are going through so that we don't repeat the cycle? So that one day when we have passed one trial and we get to another trial, we're like, okay, Lord, I've learned out of this. How am I going to step into the next trial? How am I going to walk into what you have for me? And we overcome our trials. As we overcome our trials, it builds our faith and our character. And we teach our and character. We teach our children and the people around us the skills of the trade, like Joseph taught James and Jesus. He taught them the skills of how to do woodworking. We teach each other the skills of what God has called us to do. Temptation number two is you get godly poor, then you get lazy poor, then you get godly rich and ungodly rich. How many times have we judged people? Yo, check that out. Yo, look at his cool house. Yo, I'm sure he's done some dodgy deals to get what he's got. But Jesus and James grew up as godly poor. They loved the Lord. His, their parents loved the Lord, but their dad was a carpenter, and yet they didn't have a lot of money, but they were faithful. The old widow who went and gave the two little 
cents that she had. She gave everything she had. And Jesus said to her that what she gave was worth more than what the other guys gave. Because she did it out of a right heart. Proverbs tells us that if a man doesn't work, he cannot eat. We know that there are guys that are looking for jobs, that people that are in situations and circumstances outside of their control. And guys, I know this sounds horrible in what I'm saying, but how many of us see people at a traffic light? Lots of them. Who's been in Cape Town City Center recently? Have you seen all the guys living next to the street lights? They're all living there in their tents. They're not willing to work, but they want to stand there and they want to ask you to give them money. I don't give them unless I feel God says to me to give. Because that guy's standing there because he's not willing to even go waiter to get an income. Because it's easy. Abraham was a godly rich man. And Herod was ungodly rich. And I went and did some research about Herod last night. Do you know how Herod the Great died? The guy that actually made fun of Jesus? Hey? Do you know that he actually had testicle gangrene? I actually read up about it. And the Bible says that he was actually, when he did what he did, he took glory that was actually due to God, he took it for himself. And he thought, oh, I'm awesome. And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord struck him down and he died and he was eaten by worms. That's literally how he died. Because he took what was not his as his own. We need to be so careful of what we do. Then we get temptation. It says in James chapter 1, I'm almost done. It says temptation and desire. So what is temptation? Colin knows about temptation. Hmm? Cake. Who likes chocolate cake? Black Forest chocolate cake. All right? We all like cake. So what happens is Tareen is baking a Black Forest chocolate cake, and she puts it on the table and she says to Evia, Babes, it's for calm tonight. <laughs> so it's actually her. She's going to be giving in. So what you do is this, they say to you, don't touch the cake. So temptation is to walk past and uh, just taste a little bit. Hey, Ava? <laughs> because temptation is, when you look at something that's not yours. And Hermanus is known for its beaches. We all know. And some of us are more whale-like than others when we go to the beach. And so we go to the beach and then you get... Temptation is having a woman walk past you with barely anything on. Temptation is... Normal looking is when you're like, okay, carry on doing what you're doing. But when you're like, whoa. And you look. And you look again. And you look again. Because that's temptation. But then, the Bible says to us, when temptation 
and desire come together. So Matthew, unpause for me, please. Okay, I'm just going to put this on. I want to show you guys a little video. I hope it's going to work. Let me try some of that. Mm. Wait, what? What is this? That's my famous pound cake. Cake? Okay. Okay, right? We're fine. Everything is fine. Yeah, no, no, no. It's okay. It probably just meant that I love cake. I couldn't resist it. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Now that you're all awake, because you didn't expect that to happen. So what did he say? He said, most probably I just like cake and I can't resist it. That's desire. That's exactly what happens in desire. Is when you desire something that's not yours. Because the devil will tempt you just like he did with Eve. But if you take that apple, if you eat that fruit, your desire is there. And we get enticed. And then when desire and temptation come together, what do they do? They give birth to sin. So that's why you can't tell me the devil made me do it. Having a cigarette. Don't tell me, oh, it just magically appeared in front of me. You decided to take the cigarette, stick it in your mouth and light it. Because desire and temptation, when they come together, they give birth to sin. And sin gives birth to death. And then what we do is we try and justify sin. We try and justify it by saying, it's not really that bad. Exactly what he did in the video. It's not really that bad, you know. And he blows up. Because we can say, I had a tough time at home, you know. And then my friend at work just, just listened to me and she really understood me. So I ended up having an affair with her. Because I can't talk to my wife, but I can talk to her because she understood me. I only took one bite of the cake. It's not really that bad, you know. I just use it for medicinal purposes. It helps me relax. I just scroll through social media just a little bit just to know what's going on in the world. Because we justify it. Because we try and make it better than it really is. Sin is sin. No matter what it is. If it controls you, it's sin. Andrew said this morning, having a husband and a wife, being married is a wonderful thing. But when my wife controls me and keeps me away from Jesus, that's sin. If my kids become more important to me than going to church and paying the price for the kingdom, it's sin. I'd rather stay at home because my kids are difficult at church. Bring them along. Put the pupple in your bag. If they don't sit still, a little bit of is okay. Discipline has never killed anyone. I got more hidings than food. I was so terrible, my parents tied me to a tree with a rope. I'm serious. And the reason they tied me to the tree is so that I couldn't go play in the toilets. Because I was incredibly hyperactive. I used to walk 
next to the wall and I had nice pillow, nice fresh slugs and nice fresh snails. Yep. Nice. Juicy. I can't remember it. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I don't have any snails when we go anywhere. But discipline has never killed anyone. Do you know that if you discipline your children, they'd love you even more? (laughs) Discipline is good for you. Because the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. You guys still with me? I'm almost done. Then there's a thing that we all do. It's called false humility. We don't talk about it. The dictionary states that it is the way that we try to portray ourselves, but it's not really how we feel deep down inside. Because we as people struggle to take responsibility for our own choices and actions. And it started right in the beginning with Adam and Eve. When we get ourselves into a tough situation because of our own choices, then we go to people and go, oh, the Lord's just, you know, he's just trying to teach me something. You know, that's why I'm going through this tough time. No, you're not. You're going through it because you put yourself there. Don't try and play the humble God. Yes, I was an absolute dovkop. I had to think of a word there. I made a stupid choice. I went and spent money that wasn't mine. I went and got a credit card because I I thought I was going to be cool. And now I'm sitting with tons and tons and tons of debt. How do I get out of it? Don't say I'm struggling because I made, oh, you know, the Lord's trying to just teach me to be humble and, you know. Guys, come on. Let's just be real, man. Because if you've made a doof mistake, take responsibility and say, okay, guys, how do I get out of this? Help me. Show me how. Because there are ways and means to get out of things. And that's why the church is there. If you don't know how to work with finance, go sit with someone that knows how to. Philip, I'm sure Philip and Anulor know how to work with finance. I think they do. Linda was in the banking sector. She is like an auntie with a whip. She'll sort you out six love if you don't know how to work with finance because she'll teach you how to budget. And if you don't know how to budget, we'll send you to Henny on the farm. Then you can go work, do some hard extra labor. Because sometimes we try and we, we justify the things that we do by using false humility. Guys, we need to become true humble, true humility in our hearts. And sometimes we do the blame game. And sin leads to death. The picture in front there is of a a young guy, what he looked like and what he ended up looking after drug abuse. We have broken marriages. We have internet addiction. And we even have affairs. And it causes much more damage because we've allowed our own temptation 
temptation from the enemy and our own desire to lead us astray. And a bit further in the scripture, it says that all gifts come from God, the Father of lights. And do you guys know that you are a gift to one another? Husbands, you're a gift to your wife. Wives, you're a gift to your husband. Singles, you guys are gifts to us. Because we have single people in our congregation, you know what it does? It keeps us solid on the ground so that we don't forget about single people. Single people, God has given you married couples so that you can be part of family. God has put young people in the church to look at the older people and to learn how to be better than what they are. Because that is what God is doing with us. And we need to be gifts to one another. Because you here, because if you weren't here, we'd be missing something. A little block of us would be missing. Because God's added you here. God has added me here. For a time such as this. And God created people for people. People are for people. That's why God created us. Flight, flight, my story is eight. When God puts us through difficult times and trials in our lives, let's not try and make it, excuse it, try and work it away. Allow the devil's temptation to come and to take a hold of us. But when we realize that God has made us gifts for one another to help one another, because our faith becomes works. And we live out our faith by loving one another, praying for one another. On a Wednesday, when we fast together as a church, we don't just fast because we have nothing better to do. We fast because we pray for one another. I must tell you guys, this week's Wednesday's fast was, more, was harder for us than the week before. Kim and I was even away, and we were fasting. We walked through every single possible clothing store that we could imagine because we tried to avoid all the food shops. And we walked. And you know what? It was so, and every time Kim and I started getting hungry, we were like, Lord, we want to pray for our church. We want to pray into the relationships. We want to pray into the marriages. Lord, we want to pray that you would add people to us. Lord, that you would bring salvations, that you will start changing among us. Because we're here for you, and you're here for us. Because we commit to one another. And James says, we're gifts for one another. Let's close our eyes. I want to pray and we're going to head home. Lord Jesus, tonight, Father, we just want to come before you, Lord, and we want to ask you that you would help us, Lord, that when the enemy throws temptation our way, Lord, that we will not blame others. Father, we would not 
I want to try and find a quick fix for it. But Lord, I pray that we as people, as Christians, Lord, would become people that would be able to understand, Lord, that when we go through seasons of tough times in our lives, Lord, it's you wanting to build our character. Lord, it's you wanting to make us more like you so that we can be a better church. Lord, a church that is more like you, dying to ourselves so that you can live through us. And so, Father, tonight, Lord, we pray for each one here, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Father, that you would pour out your spirit. Lord, that you would lead them. Father, wherever they find themselves tonight, Lord, if they are going through a trial, through a difficult time, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would step in. Father, that you would come and you would give them the answer that they need, Father, for where they're at. And Father, Lord, we don't know how long trials will last. Lord, a trial can be a day, a trial can be a year. But Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us as a church. Lord, that you would walk with us, Lord, that we would not come, Lord, and, and try and justify where we are. But Father, we pray that we would humbly come and say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Lord Jesus, I am yours. Do with me as you will. And Father, we thank you for that tonight, Lord. Lord, let your Holy Spirit be with us. Lord, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks, guys.